Today on Ordinary to Extraordinary, on Ordinary to Extraordinary, we interview a fine gentleman named Mike Genova. Mike Genova, the owner of Leisure Concepts and Moto Concepts. Leisure Concepts. Leisure Concepts, if you're in the UK. And uh, just a cool all-around dude, really a very laid-back guy, mm-hmm. I know, um, but a great story of just you know, growing up, humble means, American becoming dream successful, man. giving it up, mm-hmm. and then starting over and taking a risk on the company and becoming ultra-successful. Yeah. So, just very cool. Very gracious, very giving. I mean, something I'm always overwhelmed by when I speak to company owners that do it right. Mm-hmm. They're uh, they're gracious, they're giving, they're, you know, it's like, wow, you did what for those people? So, yeah, really fun interview. Uh, not sure what the episode number is because we're a few out now. But, yep. uh, it's episode yes. We hope you guys enjoy it. That's that's someone, and I don't know if it's unique to Spokane, but it's definitely someone that's prominent in Spokane. That CEOs and people in the upper echelons of companies are really willing to reconnect and re-engage back down. It's probably a little bit of the size and the culture and the grassroots mindset. You know, like I went to high school with Scott Morris of Vista, and, and you know, uh, were you LC grad? Shadow. Shadow. You guys both. Okay. You know, Travis Garski, those kind of guys. Yeah. You know, so, I don't know. It's a small town, but mm-hmm. ran by a, not that many. Well, a lot, of, a lot more big hitters these days than it used to be, right? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody sure. starts. No. Everybody starts somewhere, right? Well, I mean, there's just been a lot of influx, is what I'm saying. Oh, outside wealth coming in. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Going to be more Maybe of it soon. You think so? Oh yeah. Why there's not? Right. Everybody's migrating to smaller. Well, smaller towns, more—I would say—more conservative towns. So we're—I I, I joke about this. We're kind of the cherry in a blueberry pie. So you're getting the best of both worlds, kind of. Um, Politically speaking, cherry yeah. and blueberry pie. Yeah, and uh, you know, with the exception of the startup costs for business in Washington, it's great for employers because their employees are well looked after with no state income tax and so on and so forth. And being no tax is a different story. Yeah, you yeah, it's sp- not yeah. the smallest. But yeah, it's not yeah. the smallest. You know, you speak to people in Spokane and they think the housing market's through the roof, but you speak to people from outside the area and they're like, wait, I can get a four-bedroom house on yeah. two acres for what? Yeah, it's <laughs> getting worse though, right? Yeah. yeah, it's housing prices are absolutely crazy yeah. now. But so mm-hmm. am I close enough here? Yep, we're can picking you, you up. Yeah. Okay. Looks good. So okay. I'll do intros too. We've probably already been recording knowing how Stephen... We have. Does this. But so he does the sneaky start on the records in case he gets something good beforehand. Okay. So. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. But so today we're recording with Mike Genova. Mike is the owner of Leisure Concepts. And leisure Concepts. Concepts. As, yeah. At leisure, as they say in the UK. <laughs> and probably something else that I don't know about, but I'm sure we'll find out today on the podcast. <laughs> but I've known Mike for a few years now through, again, a family connection to in the past and uh, always appreciated what they've done in his story. What little I do know about it has always intrigued me. So it's like, what the heck? Let's have Mike on the podcast and hear more of it. But so to start us off, Stephen, do you have any questions or anything you want to say? Just that it's leisure and not leisure. Just okay, I want to reemphasize that. Yeah, it's and tomato, uh, not tomato. Yeah. So I guess we'll start off by you telling us our, your story and maybe what you do run so we know about leisure concepts and moral concepts and i'm sure there's other things as well but tell us the background and how you got to where you are now well, 
So, you know, when I was in my early 30s, I was um, I got reintroduced to the hot tub industry. I was in I was working for a local company, Pool World. Uh, put oh, yeah. myself through college and graduated from Eastern and went to work for General Electric and. Um, after a couple of years of employment there, they, just, they decided to close our branch. And so I found myself unemployed and, and had a couple options of staying in Spokane or um, going to Seattle. And I ended up back in the hot tub business running um, a distribution branch uh, at a young age and, and then uh, was in retail and, and moved, uh, you know, moved around a couple of different places and ultimately ended up being a, a factory rep, uh, independent factory rep, carrying multiple lines and doing quite well and at the age of 32 I decided I wanted to I really well I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur and own my own business and be in my control of my own destiny and and um, so I launched um, Leisure Concepts with one product called the Spa Caddy. The Spa Caddy was a, a plastic table that cantilevered into the hot tub. It was actually my father's idea and it, it cantilevered into the hot tub for, for the user to have a place to put their drink or their cigarettes yeah. or, their, yeah. or whatever at back, that thing, yeah. back then. So we launched uh, the Spa Caddy which was an injection molded table I'd had a little bit of money through real estate and, and so on and thought I had enough money to enter into business and um, did and uh, found out real quickly we didn't have enough money. <laughs> uh, Burn through all that? Yeah and so in 97, in 95 we launched the Spa Caddy and um, we had pretty good success selling it to the dealers but the dealers were having a tough time selling it through to the consumer and because of that our sales just didn't climb and and the, our sales were, were were very small and and so then um, phase two I guess or another step in it was to develop more products and we developed um, a plastic injection molded step that snapped together for the hot tub industry um, it was the first of its kind and I had to beg borrow money steal money from banks um, I was extended with um, uh, in every form on my credit um, <laughs> credit cards I had excellent credit all the way through but I was broke and and we were able to get the step um, launched and it helped a little bit and yeah. uh, it's the standard and the norm um, today in, in the hot tub industry oh yeah I bought a hot tub and they came with your steps yeah yeah, yeah. so um, that's that was that's that's something that that I take I guess uh, honor in and in, inventing in it so and then through that whole process we were trying to develop uh, what they call a cover lifter, a lifter apparatus to get the hot tub cover mm -hmm. off the hot tub. And there was a couple out there that were okay. And, and I worked hard to create one that was good. And um, I was um, lucky enough through the grace of God and help of God really to come up with a product that uh, was we named the Covermate One. And it, it carried a US patent and um, that was, um, uh, which has expired um, a few years back, and it's the most copied, coveted product um, in 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 the world in our industry. Yeah, yeah. So, so I know. You, so you said you were 32 when you, you ventured out on your own, and I know you have a son at least. I don't know if you have other children. Other I have a son and a daughter. Yes, son and a daughter. Okay. So you had a family at that time when you were venturing out or close to it in the middle of it in the in the growing years, the the hardest years. How was it having a family and trying to manage all that in a business and yeah. 
and being broke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when I moved. That's from, a lot. I was in Seattle and I moved from Seattle to Spokane and was doing okay when we moved. And that's when I launched the company. And so our, our family, it was a good learning um, experience for my kids, I think, because we were doing okay. Um, you know, we had a nice home on Indian Trail and, and, and a boat and a, and a suburban. We were doing good. And I was making money, and then I launched the company, and all that went away. Yeah. All that went away because we couldn't afford it. You know, it was mostly paid for, but we had to kind of... So know, you had the American dream. We had, exactly. We and then you had, gave it up. Yeah, yeah, at 30, probably 32. And my kids didn't really know the difference because they were three or four or five, but... Um, they were learning quite quickly when we were starving, basically, that if they went to the movies with mom, they stopped at the local grocery store and picked up a, a, a can of soda and a, and a candy bar because we couldn't afford, they couldn't really afford to do it, you yeah, know, at, it the, at, at the, the, the theater. Yeah. yeah. And then so, smuggle it in. Smuggle it in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, um, things were going good, and then they went not so good, and then um, we were able to turn around and things went well. Yeah. yeah, so I want to. That's an oversimplification, I think, yeah. of what happened. <laughs> Might a be years. a few details you left out. There's a few out. years of uh, that in that. Yeah. So you mentioned your patent expiring. Um, when that happens, how do you adjust to that? Obviously, you've got more than one product, but how do you adjust to knowing that people are essentially taking your product, copying it, and probably undercutting you, whether they're manufacturing outside the country or something like that? How do you adjust, and, and where where is your major competition coming from? Yeah, it's a, it's a really um, it's a good question, and it's a, it's it's a, it's a challenging question, I guess, to to really encapsulate into you know. So yeah, I think it starts before the patent expires. So what do I mean by that? Um, our product is pretty much a commodity at this point, and and so it's been commoditized, um, and and. Um, this is kind of a, uh, I guess, a, a unique thing, and that is, is that what we make and what we do and what we provide to the world in the hot tub industry is made by our company, and every other product is basically made in China. That's our competition. Now, we have, hmm. you know, brokers or jobbers or where, or wholesalers, whatever you want to call it, who source it in China, and it's different makers of it in China making the same thing. Mm -hmm. our product and so <laughs> the knockoff version yeah the knockoff version so to answer that Steve it's um, I guess we always knew that that was our strength was not just our product but our company and so we tried to uh, outperform everybody not just with the product but with the company uh, uh, performance uh, so knowledge quick ship um, professionalism the list goes on so we really strive to be the Nordstrom's of what we do mm -hmm. and so that was before the patent expired and once the patent expired um, our, our position and mindset is is that China or even our American competition who's sourcing in China you know they can commoditize our product but they can't commoditize our company yeah it's a good and, way of thinking about it and and so that's what we've strived to do prior and at and current. And we have had so many people. Um, you know, we've fought, we've fought, and we've fought and patent infringement many a time, mm -hmm. um, and have won um, before it went to court. But prior to, um, and so it's taken some work on our end to keep um, keep people honest. But 
through that process and even through this process or the process now of people copying it without us having any kind of legal uh, strong arm uh, again it's just outperforming uh, you know the competition and the COVID thing has really made it you know so like the hot tub industry is two and three X um, bigger today than it was before COVID Worldwide, so it's just boomed. It just boomed. Stimulus money, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. or just you know, a shifting of money shifting too. Shifting of money, yeah. a mindset, what they're going to do with their money. And, Can't travel, uh, buy hot tub. We saw it happen. The uh, the the off and then on. Um, first and foremost, it are leisure concepts in in gold <laughs> and Britain, uh, and and the Brits were the first to say. Well, let's just get drunk and get in a hot tub or whatever, you know. <laughs> well, lockdown was harsher there nationwide. Sure. It's a smaller country. It's easier to control. For sure. So yeah. th from a government standpoint, they locked down hardcore yeah. compared to yeah. a lot of the states here. So we saw it right away. It's like we went from off to on. Like, what? And, of course, my gal, um, uh, Alison Turner in Britain, she was smart enough to go, I think this is going to turn right around and be an explosion for us right away. And I'm like... Eternal optimist, right? Yeah. But she was just actually smarter than me, and 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 she called it. And so the, uh, where where was that? So I guess the COVID thing has helped um, people and our our customers realize that, you know, much like the pushes for in the United States right now is good old USA is you know, a lot of the manufacturing. I've never went to. I've never thought China was a good reason to go. Mm -hmm. I believed in American manufacturing and the overall cost not being that much greater. And it, that, that point is becoming even more prevalent. And, yeah. and with our ability, um, we, we reacted quickly and so we, we have product in, in stock. We've been shipping. Uh, we haven't been bottlenecked by the... You control your... Yeah, you're, you're the, vertically integrated to some yeah. degree, right? Mm -hmm. So you, you know, can do that. All those containers that are locked up in the ports and everything else, those are my competition's got their product in there. And yeah. so it's been able, it's enabled us to drive home the point that it makes sense to do business with us, even if we're in perceived to be a few bucks more, which sometimes we are, sometimes we're not. Yeah. And it's like, what what's the cost in the big picture? Yeah, I'd imagine normally your business is probably pretty cyclical in recessionary times, right? I mean, it would go along. People aren't necessarily buying hot tubs when the markets are down or when they're losing their jobs. But this is, was a very different period. So I could see where you were coming from and, hey, the typical cycles that I've been through. So if I'm thinking about the iteration of, of your company, started in 94, grow, grow, grow for a while, have some struggles, tech bubble hits, grow, grow, grow again probably, and then 2008, 2009 hits. What have you learned through going through a couple of recessionary periods in a business that I would, I'm, I'm labeling here, so I could be wrong, that I would imagine is cyclical with the markets? Well, I mean, we all try to learn from it all, you know, and it, it, I guess it's, you know, I guess one thing I've learned is you, you, you never really know. Yeah. You know, what's going to happen, what things look like, and so on. Um, one of the things that was, a belief system of mine and, uh, and that was to be solvent and liquid and so along the way of our day, glory years of making money everything was paid for and so it was all positioned that if we have a 2007-2008 um, that we were prepared for it mm -hmm. um, and, and when those days hit um, we were prepared for it um, you know our business basically went 50 off and um, 
but we could still make money at that because we didn't we weren't leveraged mm-hmm. yeah smart capital management before. yeah and um it was funny because we just finished an eight million dollar which is a big big number for our company um expansion um in a way and boom hmm. it hit and so we we entered into our own injection molding uh process we, we hmm. were buying that service and we decided to take it in-house and um, the outcropping of that was, well, we have um, capacity now and we have money. Um, let's get into an industry called the motorcycle industry with moto concepts and make a bunch of products. That was really smart, except for one thing, is that the motorcycle industry, I failed to, to <laughs> analyze very well, is that the motorcycle industry was 50 off with the hot tub industry. <laughs> So there was, mm-hmm. there was nobody selling the hot tub. All we've done is just diversify to another market that's debris <laughs> Another down. loser. Yeah. Darn it. Do you that's fall? changed since then, though, I have a feeling. Yeah, the, the motorcycle industry parallels the hot tub industry in craziness right now. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you find that the, so not so much the uh, hot tub industry, but the motorcycle industry seems very brand conscious. Is that, are the, the products you're selling, are they just injection molded? plastics and, and in, such for the motorcycle industry. yeah yeah um yeah they're accessories bike stands and okay and, and pads and and, so and some and, plastics and, 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 and yeah some plastic components and goggles things like that but yeah they're they're definitely driven by big name brands hondas of kawasaki's of the world so, fox and such yeah 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 so you're, you're, you have a motocross team don't you we do have a race team a professional yeah. race team a high level professional race team I was I, I googled it before too. So I thought Moto Concepts was the race team, and so I was like, "Oh, Moto Concepts is actually entirely like <laughs> its own business line." Correct. Too. So Moto Concepts is the name of the product company okay. uh, that we sell products. Um, it was the same business. It is the same business model as uh, Leisure Concepts, and that is, and the, the industry is parallel really well. Like, there's ten thousand retailers of hot tub guys in the United States, and the same pretty much the same number of motorcycle guys so we were like well we know how to go to a dealer and talk to them and present to them and trade shows and so on so let's just do that in the motorcycle industry mm-hmm. so um so motor concepts is a product company and then motor concepts racing okay is a subsidiary of motor concepts which um the racing team was um uh, grew out of the need to market motor concepts products so we could actually um market and display products at the races um we were going to use we were going to pay to advertise that but we decided well let's just use our own race team (laughs) and do it that way so well that was that was going to be my next question i was going to say is the race team a money pit but if it's your marketing arm then it's a solid money pit well, assuming we were selling enough on the Motor Concepts product line to justify or equal, which we're really yeah. not. So in answer to your question, it's a gigantic money. <laughs> yeah. Because that stuff's like, not cheap. you got to pay riders. you got to pay the travel. Oh, yeah. yeah. I yeah, mean, Our race team carries about a million and a half dollar race budget. Jeez. Jeez. And... I, we got, um, and it I doesn't the, make that in revenues, you're saying? No, the, in <laughs> fact, it's so bad of a loser that the IRS knocked on our door and said, we want to look at your books because you got to be lying. <laughs> <laughs> he was there about a half hour and folded the folder and said, you're not yeah. lying. You're not lying. <laughs> you're just crazy. No, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Crazy and dumb. So coming back to the, the hot Labor tub above. side of things, I want to ask, so... I'm always really intrigued when people decide to go a dealer option, right? So you you distribute through dealers. There is no e-commerce platform. 
you're wholesaler only, there's no direct to consumer. Is that something that you see changing? And is it, if it's not, um, would you see yourself cannibalizing your business because then your dealerships might go and start buying elsewhere? Yeah, we have, we have, we have forever not entered into the direct to the consumer via, you know, Amazon and, and, and those guys not to, to not to cannibalize if, as you term it, the dealer. Um, you know, our products are kind of uh, dealer dependent, professional dependent for the consumer to know what they need. Okay, so they're so they're they're advised to the consumer like this is what you would want to put on your new hot tub when you buy it. So it, our most of our stuff comes with the hot tub when they per, when the consumer purchases it, and so they're dependent on the dealer to make the right choice for them. They need the consumer, and we're we're dependent, relying on the dealer to kind of you know to display it, merchandise it, market it, and, and equip the the hot tub with um, good stuff, which is our stuff. So I don't know if that answers your question. It does. Yeah, yeah. I think. Like I said, for me, it's always intriguing as to why people go wholesale and B2B only versus entering that, that B2C world. There's a lot of players that are trying to be in the B2C. Um, obviously, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's all internet and electronic driven. And, and, you know, those guys occupy that space. They're really good at it. I have some customers uh, that buy very few because we, you know, we're... We're not really, you know, most of those, a lot of those guys aren't the greatest guys, but there's some good ones. And mm -hmm. so the ones that we work with um, are good. They're, they're good. They're, they understand internet marketing really well. And that is a, you know, that's a, that's a know-how. That's an art. And so uh, we leave that space to them and um, we, we supply it to them and let them do that. Well, you know your niche. I think you know what's worked for you guys and you... You don't shoot the golden goose. You know, it's not easy. That's the problem with, you know, Moto Concepts. We were actually trying to go more B2C mm -hmm. um, because it's very common to go B2C if you need mm -hmm. this or that. But the challenge is, and especially with, it's hard, it's a bigger challenge today than it's ever been because it, while it's easier because of the internet, it becomes more complicated of, that's some, such a moving target of, of you know, you know, how do you, how do you stay in front of the customer, you know, mm -hmm. and, and uh, you know, so it's not any, you know, to, to market to a, uh, you know, a, a consumer base takes a lot of know-how, a lot of money, and, <laughs> you know, I mean. Extreme marketing, wow, really, to, yeah. to that, penetrate that market. I mean, that's a lot of folks you got to market to in a lot of different avenues, but. So you said you grew up in Shadle. Shadle grad, grew up in the Shadle neighborhood. What did your folks do? My dad was a realtor here. Was he? Um, worked for um, Dave Black's father, James Black. Oh, seriously? Yeah. Yeah. And my mother was, ran the um, credit department at uh, at uh, the Bon Marche, which was the <laughs> yeah. Macy's. Macy's, yeah. 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 Right down here. Yeah. yeah. Right across from our old office, yeah. too. We were looking yeah. at it all every yeah. day. The M building now. So that's... Yeah. The apartments. 
when they did credit back then, it was all bookkeeping, right? I mean, it yeah. was a book that yeah. you kept. It was credit department income combined with cash office. So if you mm-hmm. needed to go pay your bills or get cash and all that, it was old school, you know, glass window, the deal, right on oh, the floor of, yeah. of the bond marché. That's funny. Yeah, so, yeah. The, so what did you think then growing up that you were going to be? Where did you see your life going? As a kid, I mean, what did you want to do? You said you wanted to be an entrepreneur, but did you, I mean, what does that mean? <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I was always kind of um, uh, a kid that was um, self-employed. Um, going through college, um, I had multiple jobs. On the, you know, I had my own lawn mowing business. Yeah. My girlfriend and I would mow lawns from eight in the morning until two, and then go to Coeur d'Alene and and do whatever we did yeah. back then. You know, <laughs> and 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 so um, I don't know. You know. My father always wanted me to be an attorney because I was fairly quick-minded, he felt, you know, and, and but I, I didn't carry the best grades and I wasn't really into scholastics, I'm mechanical. So I, um, I didn't know, you yeah. know, uh, and I didn't, I didn't stress that, you know, I knew that you, know, you put your head down, work hard, I worked wherever I worked, I worked hard and, and made a difference and, you know, you gotta have to have faith that Something will show its head. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you know the old harder you try, the worse it gets. So I, you know, I didn't have a choice. I, I didn't have a lot of options. So, um, but I knew that I wanted to be my own guy. You don't strike me as a lawyer. I feel like you'd be fun to have a beer with. <laughs> be a fun litigator. <laughs> yeah. That's why you want me. To yeah, I was gonna say you wouldn't. You wouldn't. You wouldn't like transactional. But I, Mike in court could be could be fun. Or yeah. not. <laughs> yeah. So, obviously, the business is based here in Spokane. So, let's say you're talking to somebody outside the area. Talk about the benefits of having the business here in Spokane. Because I've been, I've been on site. Your, your premises are amazing. Came and visited with Jeff, your CFO, there a, f- a few weeks ago. So, we're, we're looking at working together, actually. Um, but he, uh, he showed me around a little bit. I mean, that's an impressive facility. You've, you've taken... A little slice of Spokane and made it something that's I mean you're shipping all over the world at this point right so talk about the benefits of working in Spokane why you're here and what you think would benefit other business owners from coming here yeah. um, you know I, I've always been um, a proponent of Spokane um, I have friends that moved to the you know the west side and the shiny glitzy lights and i've lived over there and and you know sometimes especially 10 20 30 years ago when you drive through spokane some of the areas are kind of rough you know but on the flip side um i th- i've traveled quite a bit of the country and i just don't know if there's really um in total in total um a better place to live and a better place to really raise kids. You got four seasons. As the older I get, the more I don't like a couple of them. But you know, but, um, but you know, which ones, Mike? <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine. <laughs> Just call me in January. You'll know where I'm at in Hawaii. Yeah. But you know, you know. So the, you know, the June through October, November here. You know, it's just ideal. The so weather's good. The golf courses yeah. are plentiful. Um, uh, you know, we have great parks. We, you know, so it's just a great place in terms of its geography and its 
climate most of the time. We're close to Canada, we're close to Idaho and Montana, you know, so you can get all kinds of different flavors of, you know, the big cities of Seattle to the, the you know, the cool towns of uh, Kalispell, Montana or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it lends itself well to that, in my opinion. And then just, so the quality of life's good. If you like to fish, golf, whatever, the quality of life is, is gigantic here. And the work ethic and the, uh, was, you know, has always been good. Um, it, it people are, f for the most part, friendly and, and neighborly, and you know, mm -hmm. the same reasons you guys like it here. You know, yeah. so on a business side of it all, you know, I mean, it's. I feel like it's probably one of the more affordable places in in the United States, or, or was. I, you know, who knows anymore? <laughs> but um, to to, yeah. to really run a business, to you know, real estate is affordable and. And, and 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 wages are uh, are you know affordable commensurate with 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 what we do and and yeah the cost of living isn't isn't astronomical yeah the cost of living hasn't wages keep pace with it so always has you know mm -hmm. and um it's a little on fire now so things yeah. are we're all yeah. trying to figure out right now it might be an exception to that <laughs> rule if we're you know who we really are but you know so yeah and yeah. and so um uh, you know access to um, labor has never really been a problem um and so yeah it's been an easy place to do business i think it, it is a good easy place to do business there's savings to be had and there's Mm -hmm. higher prices to pay be for other things for yeah. it or whatever yeah. you know, so. I would add one more thing our airport is magnificent being able to get in and out of that airport in minutes pull up get out check a bag through security yeah. street side almost but yeah they go, it goes everywhere people laugh at me because I'm the guy that's running to the door before they shut you know slam the door on the on the airplane but mm -hmm. not you know you can't really do that anymore but yeah, I mean, uh, people are like, what time's your flight? It's like, well, I have a nine o'clock flight. <clears throat> well, you better leave at seven. I'm like, I will leave at eight, drive mm -hmm. for 20 minutes, park the car, and get through security. I'll be on the plane. You know, like, yeah. no way. I'm like, so to your point, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, yeah. I love it. It's super, especially with TSA pre check, you walk yeah, along through. Yeah. Especially if you're not you know, checking bags, right? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> kids kind of screw that up, though. The check bags thing anymore if you're flying with kids. We used to be so efficient. Yeah, yeah that yeah. gets all blown to yeah. heck. But yeah. um, what was I going to ask you, Mike? You've got a whole page worth I, of I notes do. there. Oh, in our interactions outside of the office, I can tell that you seem to have like a genuine uh, love, I'll call it, for your crew, your, your employees, your team, your people, right? And so it's like, where does that come from? And then what have you had to learn for managing people because having a heart and appreciating your team and loving on your team also can mean, you know, some difficult conversations at times too, where you got to let people go. You have to be the boss too. So how do you play that role of a genuine care for your team yet the boss? Well, I'm a man of faith. And so the Bible's pretty strong about just telling you how to think and view um, others and so on. And so I use that as my, roadmap, if you will, or my guide to who I want to be. Um, now, with all that being said, I mean, um, I'm probably such a hard guy to get along with that I, the, you know, <laughs> most of the time, so that's why I overcompensate the guys. Now, you know, <laughs> um, I do have a love for the people 
that work for me. Um, I've been blessed. I have excess. Um, what do you do with excess? You either, you know, invest it or spend it or, or give it, you know, one way or another, right? And and so the people that work for me, a lot of them have, have had hardships. A lot of them are from, um, you know, war-torn countries of Bosnia and 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 such. And and so they've not had great lives. And and well, and even the but we also have Americans that have had great lives. That yeah, so everybody er, has to earn their keep. And if you earn your keep, we treat you well. And why not, right? So if you can't treat the people that really are helping you be successful, you can't treat them um, with love and excess. I mean, who can you treat yeah. well? So yeah, we 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 give a lot, but you know, we demand a lot, and you know. And it's, it's brutal right now on my guys because we're so busy, we're working. Yeah. Uh, 60 hours a week, which isn't really impossible to do if you do it a week here, a week there. We've been doing it for a year. Yeah, that's a lot. My, 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 my guys are beat up. but So, yeah, I mean, we of course, there's all the business philosophy of that, of mm-hmm. less employee turnover, higher efficiency, productivity. But that's not really the drive. The drive is, you know, they deserve it. Why not? Yeah. Mm. Is there a particular thing that Leisure Concepts does to show appreciation? Like, I remember, like, Tyler Lafferty, we interviewed him, and just knowing Tyler and 7-2 and 40 it's, it's like they do a sabbatical for their people to show them up. Or they do what they call, like, shout-outs in their team meetings where it's like, hey, you know, my name's Ben, and I want to recognize Mike because Mike did this this week. You know, to, to like show appreciation for your teammates and stuff too. Do you guys have any things or processes that you've implemented in leisure concepts that, like, you find unique to show appreciation? Even like ways of recognizing people when they've kind of gone above and beyond. Well, a lot of our work is pretty, um, you know, rudimentary, uh, repetitive yeah. work. So it's. It's kind of tough, but we try to recognize guys like that um, as human beings for a lot of, you know, for obvious reasons. Um, I don't know if we single out, I don't know if we do anything that singles out employee of the month or employee yeah. of the year. We've thought about it and everything else, and we just, we, we, we wrestle with that you're, it's really great for the guy that wins, but the guy that yeah. thought he was going to win yeah. and doesn't. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, it can be a bummer. So yeah, um, double-edged th- sword. Yeah, kind of. So you can create resentment, I would guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, some of the, th- you know, some of the things we do, I'm pretty proud of, and it, it, and I don't want it to come off as any kind of boasting uh, or braggadocious, but you know, every every person that works for our car a company has a car, a minimum of three fifty to five hundred dollar car stipend. So every car in our parking lot is a brand new car. Has to be, it has to be a lease. I won't let them buy it. I won't let them go over a number. But so every person that works there has brand. It drives a brand new car. Even on the line. Every person. Huh, that's wow. Cool. That's really cool. Well, it, it sounds like it's really cool. It's part of their compensation. It's well, part it of gets our them work. It ensures that they got to motor yeah, to I mean, get to three, work. Yeah, I mean the three, three tough challenges for a guy that's making. 17 18 20 bucks an hour is going to be his mortgage 
is health insurance and, and, and really car. I mean, yeah. there are other things, right? But those are the major things that really have to be in place for things to be good. So we give them a car, um, and then every employee that works for us has full 100% uh, health insurance for them and their family. Yeah, that's big. Mm -hmm. That's cool. And so then on top of that, we do annual, at the end of the year, we, you, you may have heard of this through your, through your parents, but <laughs> um, we take everybody on, in our company on a company cruise every year. I don't think I have. That was just that, a couple weeks ago, right? That's why you're so tan. It's um, <laughs> <that was laughs> always tan. It <laughs> pisses me off. The executive yeah, team we went to. Um, yeah. Yeah. To where did yeah. we go? Antigua. We Antigua. Okay. Yeah. So, but yeah, but no, I mean, we take the whole company, like even the oh, wow. So you shut down for. We shut the company down for a week. A week. Okay. The, the, the good news, bad news is, is not everybody goes because they don't. It's an option. Yeah. Okay. And they can take a cash buyout. Uh, oh. Uh, or take their wife. It's, so it's the employee and the wife free of charge. Wow, cool! It's such a great thing. Well, talking mm -hmm. about a, like a team, team bonding, man. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's such get great to just see people as human beings outside of the so office. So great. That's what we've done that with our events too. Mm -hmm. it's like we always say, it's like I think to see someone on just a human to human level and don't have like the interaction, the business interaction anymore. It's like you just remove some walls when you're outside of the it, office and you're outside of the building. It makes us love one another even yeah, totally. more. Totally. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. That's cool. I love those. That's a great idea. Yeah. So yeah. it's an expense to the company, but um, some of it's tax deductible. And, and, and loyalty, though. I was going to say your, your turnover must be so low. Um, yeah, like zero. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what's that save you? In, I mean, yeah, exactly. At a time where people are struggling to hire, I'm sure you've heard of the difficulties people are having getting people off of unemployment because they're like, well, I don't need to work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not to be critical of our government, but I just don't understand why the guys in Washington aren't talking to the normal Joes of the world like you and I or whatever mm -hmm. and saying, what are you seeing out there? It's like, what do you mean, what are we seeing? We can't, we can't, we can't. And this, you know, yeah, it's everybody. Well, you guys are it. working 60 hours a week, you said, for a mm -hmm. week straight, and I'm sure you could hire more people. Well, yeah, but the, when we talk to them, nobody wants to work because That's they're making. Yeah. The, yeah, it's the like, demand is there. On oh, your end. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's lots and lots of companies I know that are struggling to hire. That, mm. mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's horrible. I don't know where the model came from, but it's well, not right. Even in the restaurant space, so Adam Hegstead's group, so he's he's got restaurants. Adam owns the Yards and Honey Eatery and Incredible Burger and Eggs. I don't know if you know him, but they just put out, they've got a signing bonus for bar yeah. staff and, and restaurant staff. And what they're doing is they're, they're paying it not like it's not like hey come join us and then we pay you this lump sum they're staggering it over six months which is smart yeah. Yeah. but yeah they're like hey we'll give you a signing bonus for coming and working in a freaking restaurant <laughs> so if rest <laughs> if you can't get restaurants to hire i mean you make good money as a server and a waitress right or, or a bartender because you're getting the minimum wage plus your tips on top of that and it's like they're declaring every one of those tests. <laughs> well, I don't care mm. about that, but I mean, you, they can't get people to come and do those jobs. So it's like, okay, our government's doing something wrong. And I don't think it's been critical of them. I think it's calling a spade a spade. And I, I, and, and they keep talking about adding more. Yeah, I think. And they do. Honestly, <laughs> I think where where it was broken down, and a lot of people don't realize this, but people were getting money even if their income wasn't affected by COVID-19. People that never lost their job are getting money. Mm -hmm. And people That's that... Tricks, yeah. yeah, and, and there, it's coming and it just... Yeah, it changes the game. 
Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, to that point, you know, when uh, the Triple P came out, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of my company and uh, I got other friends uh, that have companies and and we weren't really affected. We needed to have our guys working and, and through the advice of our bankers and such, they said apply and we did and we got money and we took the money and when I got the money, I was trying to really think about like trying to give it back. Yeah. And I went to some of my fellow buddies that are business owners and said, we should give this back. And I couldn't get buy-in from any of them. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had, th that was a hard one. I actually dealt with a couple of business owners that struggled with what to do with that. And mm -hmm. my question for them was always like, do you feel that you would be a better steward of that capital than the government? Um, Okay, I'm a, I, I, I can agree with that. Yeah. And some of the other counterpoints were like, well, there have been many times where they've taken money from us when they really shouldn't have, mm -hmm. and so yeah. on like that. Yeah. So um, fortunately for us or whatever, it wasn't a gigantic... I mean, I guess what I'm saying is if there were other legitimate companies that were trying to be responsible for the PPP, mm -hmm. maybe it wouldn't burden our government so much, but that's the, that shows the naivety of, of, of me yeah. of, of thinking that you know the government doesn't... You know, they just turn the press on one more time and yeah, <laughs> yeah, make more money. I don't. Well, I noticed, and that happened in the UK as well, where certain companies that were cash heavy, shall we say, very large companies that took PPP, soccer clubs, and things like that, they made the news. And it's like, look down the road, like every business on this road yeah, took, took that free money. Um, and I agree with you. I mean, you know, it's like. Uh, there's a story, and I can't remember what book it's in, but essentially this guy got unemployment from the government for a short time, and he couldn't figure out how to give it back. Was that a book that you talked about? I can't remember, but I've heard this story before. Yeah, the guy, literally there wasn't a mechanism. He wanted to pay the government back for the unemployment he got. He's like, I don't need this. Take it. And the government wouldn't take it. There was no mechanism to give it back. But similar to what you're talking about, like, is this really ethical? Is it unethical? And I agree 100% with what you're saying. I mean, looking at me, yeah. I see how much I give the government, and it breaks my heart because I know it's mismanaged. Yeah. <laughs> yeah sure. So, so we talk a lot on the podcast about habit and routine and creating positive habits that and routine for things that might be difficult. Is there certain things that you've implemented into your daily routine and habits that you found to help get through some of the things that you might not like to do daily, or what's your morning look like too? Yeah, you know, I'm 62. Okay. Um, my, my Social Security eligible. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, you know, so I'm blessed that my, my program, either by luck and or uh, a design um, and the right guys, my, my program over at Leisure runs day-to-day -day pretty well on its own. And I was just telling my wife that last night. She was like, how was work? And I'm like, it was fine. I don't really have that much to do there. You know? <laughs> um, so um, I'm the lead guy still in, in design and creativity of new products and, 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 and still probably the best guy there for fixing whatever problems we have in product and stuff. But outside of that, you know, in marketing, I guess Sandy and I, my mm -hmm. wife, you know, we, we focus a lot on that. But, you know, that's not really a full-time job anymore. You know, a company runs well. So in answer to your question, my morning is um, a lot. I spend a lot of time at home before I go to the office, just um, enjoying my life um, while working and on the, a lot of phone. I, I, this is my 
It's your office right here. It's my office and yeah. iPad and cell phone a and cell iPad. phone and, and a cup of coffee and, you know, and gym shorts, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's... doesn't sound like that sucks. Uh, it's not bad. No. Um, I'm self-motivated, so it's not like I'm not doing anything, but yeah. it's good. You know, mm -hmm. if I want to go on an hour and a half walk with the dogs and talk on the phone to customers or, or so on, on walking, um, I can. So... In summary, um, my day is I'm pretty lucky and blessed, but you know, it always wasn't that way, right? Yeah. So, yeah. the habit I, I have probably still is calling and seeing what do we got planned, what do we got cooking, you know, mm -hmm. driving, driving the sales guys. So, do you guys do sales meetings with your whole crew? Oh, you sure. get on, yeah, oh, sure, firm yeah. sales team, yeah, meeting. oh, yeah. So is that sales inside team. sales, outside sales? What is your sales team? How's that? Yeah, it's mostly made inside. Up? Yeah, okay. it's a combination. Of, most of it's inside, and when we have a, um, uh, an effort that goes inside and outside with a couple of guys. But mm -hmm. yeah, um, you know, our company is really, really simple, and I take actually pride in that. Is that um, we 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 make the dealers very aware of what we do via pounding them with you know, electronically and, and, and trade publications and trade shows. And so everybody knows who we are and what we have and we make sure we're working them real hard and, and um, we ship it to them. So it's, it's a real simple business model that works. We'll do in excess of 30 million this year and we've got 35 employees. That's, That's awesome. Phenomenal. Yeah. So you mentioned trade shows. Obviously, there hasn't been any for nearly a Correct. year and a half now. Yeah. Um, with with that, do you anticipate incurring the expense again? Do you think you'd it's be conspicuous in your absence, or do you think you'll it's you'll go anyway? Yeah. So we're really on the fence with our next major trade show is in Dallas in November, and you know it's one that we would normally have attended. It floats the country in terms of venues and destinations, and you know we're we're really. We're really kicking it around whether or not it makes sense to be there. I mean, we're already yeah. sold out, right? Yeah. So do you go High out? Capacity. Yeah, we're past capacity. So, um, you know, so do you go and spend the time and the money and the energy to, to, and and then the eight million dollar question is: Is there going to be anybody there to talk to? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That you're not already talking to, right? And then, so it's a great question, Steve. Um, I. We're, we're going, or we're slated to go, um, but we have a, an injection cord mm -hmm. at any point in time uh, that we can pull. So um, yeah. it's a tough one to evaluate. It's a tough one. We're trying to work with other industry peers to try to assess mm -hmm. what their belief system is, too. And they're all facing the same thing. It's like we're going to go and spend money to, talk when we, to, to sell more when we don't need more sales. Mm -hmm. I think the hard part with that is, though, it's the same in this. Like, we talk about marketing. And, and, and doing the positive habits all throughout the sales cycle here, like at 10 Capital. Like there's periods of time where you get a bunch of clients that come on and then there's periods of time where you have no clients that come on. But even in the periods of time where you have a bunch of clients coming on, you still market and you still go out and you still do those positive habits because you never know if those are the things that lead to a sale and be the catalyst to get you out of the lull that you might mm -hmm. be in later on. Well, you know, there's the old saying, you know, there's no, you know, in business, you're either moving forward or going backwards. Yeah. You know, they can't really put it in a um, park. And so if we become complacent, sit here and just rest on our laurels, we're trying to put it in park, right? Yeah, yeah. And 
whether it's the sales numbers that have to be going forward or the sales effort, it all it still has to be. So you're either going backwards with by doing nothing, yeah. or you're going forward by doing something. And to your point, you know, it's like you want to lead, you want to stay in the front row position, you want to be prevalent, and and you know, it's you know, I guess rest on your laurels is not really the best way to do it. So that those trade shows you're talking about are those hot tub specific or are those just like pools, hot tubs? Hot pool and spa. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and they have, you know, they have other uh, categories. They have patio furniture and barbecue and and you know other things like that too. So mm-hmm. yeah. So you're 62. You said. That's. I mean, in my world, we're getting, we're, we're touching up on retirement ages here, Mike. So what do you want your legacy to look like? What's the company? What's your, what's your future look like? Yeah, that's a good one. So that's a good, <laughs> that's a good <laughs> one. I'm working uh, feverishly with uh, Dar Grewey. I don't know. Do you know Dar? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Dar is our, our corporate attorney and my estate planning attorney. And and so, yeah, it's an $8 million question of what do you want to do with the company? Do you want to sell it? I don't know why, why I would want to do that. I've had times in my life where it's like, let's just sell it. What's the point? You know, and why keep working hard? And, so on but mm-hmm. um and i had mentors that coached me through those periods of well the reason you want you, you know i have enough money you know what's the point you know the, is it greed is it you know in uh, in those mentors um have pushed me to realize well okay you're good at making money make money and mm-hmm. if you don't want the money give it away yeah yeah and um so that's kind of where I'm at with um, the uh, the legacy thing. Is um, I'm formulating the F- Genova Foundation. Um, cool. I would probably lean on my ad agency to help <laughs> promote um, the that and what what it looks like, what it does. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're working on some ideas on where some of that foundation um, puts its energy. Um, and, um, you know, my kids have made it clear that they don't want to run the company. Yeah. Um, my daughter um, works for the company. My son does not. And, you know, it was a, it was a weird conversation. It's like, totally. Uh, I was saying to my daughter, like, hey, honey, I love you. She's very capable. She's double degree, um, sharp. The list goes on. I'm like, do you ever want to run this place? She goes, well... I'll sit in your office and take the income, but I'm at five. I'm leaving. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, like well, that's then, nice in theory. Yeah. Well, then you're not running the place in many ways. I'm not letting you, and, and so on. And she, she's a hard worker too. Yeah. I mean, she does. She's a hard worker, but she's just not, you know, this drip cut out to be. Um, well, that's a crazy lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a, a mindset. Lifestyle. It's an attitude, and so. Um, I probably will own the company as long as I'm, a, I will own the company, in theory I'll own the company as long as I'm alive. Um, and um, the decision I've made is that when I pass, the company uh, will um, be given, I guess, forwarded to the Genova Foundation. Cool. And as you guys know, the foundation can own it for five years, mm-hmm. and then they have to um, sell it. And those assets will go back to the foundation. Cool. And um, out of the foundation, uh, and then of course there's a separate trust of to take care of my kids uh, yeah. to a degree and so on. But yeah, um, it's a, it's those tough stuff. It's like it do you really leave 
uh, you know, the company does well, and more well than my kids need on an annual basis, and so um, they, they can get some of it, and we have homes and all that, but they, they, they're, they're, the money needs to go do something else for yeah. I love that. I love have you that. Read the book, uh, Psychology of Money? I have not. I'll get it for Please. you. Please. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's a tough challenge, and it's... I know that this is what you guys do for a living, and it's, you know, we lean on guys like you to kind of say, what are other people doing? What's the right way to do it? What's the right way to view it? And the mindsets in it, I'll tell you what, I, I, it's not, you know, and then of course all the governing laws mm -hmm. and, and let's pay 50% of state tax and all this goes yeah. on. It's like, yippee. You know? I, Idaho might be looking real good for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, this is this is more a question for Ben and just a thought I had as you were describing that whole setup there. Um, how does that work with a can a foundation have investment, an investment arm? So let's say hundred dollars goes to the foundation. Can that hundred dollars then be invested in the market to come oh, yeah. back to the foundation and and yeah. how is that taxed if I mean, it's the foundation is it's just a non-profit okay essentially so the, there can so you can use that money to do more and have okay. like a an entire foundation that runs off of yeah, essentially I mean, investment foundation and we'll say he writes a thousand dollar check to his foundation he personally gets the tax deduction for the thousand dollar check the foundation can has a, a mandate usually as to how much they need to give on an annual basis and they he can be the director of the foundation if mm -hmm. while he's around and then uh, invest it in the market. You okay. Know? Yeah. I just wasn't and then sure. Have it to where they have a four percent distribution rate mm -hmm. or whatever it is off of the investment assets. Cool. I wasn't sure on the legality of that, but that's cool that yeah. you can and do that. And a lot of them are set up differently. So I mean, some mm -hmm. of them there's there's hardly any assets in them, and they just it's like a pass through. They just kind of use it as a way to dictate mm -hmm. what you know, as a family can dictate how assets are going to be divvied up to what charities in town that they favor. Yeah. Yeah, so my intent is for ours to be a healthy um, foundation that is funded by me, and I, I want, my intent is to have a foundation manager mm -hmm. that is, um, uh, you know, um, chartered with the, the, the job of raising more money mm -hmm. and um, also being qualified to give the money away to yeah. the YFCs of the world. And so yeah, yeah. Very good. Yeah. I like it. Well, That's I appreciate really cool. you coming in today, too, and, and being open and mm -hmm. sharing some of the successes and struggles. I, I know I have a, a heart for business owners, even growing up with them. I mean, I saw my mom and dad go through stuff that I would say with business owners, the funny thing is I think, you know, employees worry about their families and how they're going to provide for their families. And business owners worry about, in your case, 35 families, right? So it's like there is a different level of stress that I think a lot of people don't really realize that business owners take on that they just see you know, the tan Mike <laughs> that has his motocross team and they don't realize that during the hard times when you're not sleeping because you're worried about your 35 families, basically, that you know and love and appreciate and want to be there and provide for. So appreciate coming on sharing today. Yeah, it's been a real pleasure talking with you guys. And um, thanks for uh, having me on. Do you have yeah. anything? I don't. I would, I would add to what you were saying about business owners. I think when you speak to good business owners and people that treat people right mm -hmm. it's it's wonderful to see because i work with business owners every day good and bad and when you see both i mean it's just night and day not mm -hmm. just in terms of what they're doing and saying but what they're following through on away from it and you know knowing that your values and what you're doing for your employees is, is next level so yeah. Yeah. Thanks for love that <laughs> yeah, yeah.
Okay, what do you want people to do? Like, rate, subscribe, share. All that stuff. Um, all of that stuff. Yeah, wherever you listen. Tell somebody that you listen to it and see if they listen to it. And Go buy a hot tub. Let's grow this little community. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Where can people find you? How about that, too? Do you want people to find you? <laughs> they want uh, you to find maybe Maybe the website. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you know, it's easy to – I get a lot of um, uh, hits on my computer of people that I don't want to talk to. So, I, they, more's not a problem. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, um, but, he just will respond. <laughs> yeah. So, but there's yeah. probably some that have – in all honesty – um, I'm an open book. It's Mike at leisureconcepts.com. Uh, L-E-I-S-U-R-E.com. So. Here come the well, solicitations. Leisure concepts, you said? Well, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Leisure, We're in America right not now. Not leisure. So, yeah. That would be L-E-A-Z-U-R-R-E-E <laughs> <laughs> -E -E or something. <laughs> but your girl in the UK does say leisure, right? Oh, yeah. The, and yeah. a lot of other things um, that we can't talk about on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I love someone like, yeah, yeah I love yeah, it. But, like, yeah, <laughs> stops there. So, uh, yeah, you know, pissed. Um, it, it, in, in our in our language, if you're pissed, um, it means you're mad, right? Yeah, and, yeah. Um, in, in in England, it means you're drunk. Yeah, steaming yeah, drunk. Pissed drunk. Yeah, hey, you're pissed drunk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's lots. There's lots of little idiosyncrasies. Yeah. Ben's heard a lot of them. I, I still I still swear like a, a Scotsman. So yeah. Um, yeah, this is the, wait, we didn't tell you we do have an E on this podcast which does mean it is explicit yeah. <laughs> this is a first though you're the f you swore before we did by saying pissed uh, is, That's pissed, a is pissed a swear word I guess it oh, is yeah. right is it it's kind of a cuss word piss as far as this podcast goes it's not yeah. but well, yeah today but we'll, yeah. we'll say, we'll this, say is a, is. this might be the first time that oh, it hasn't been Ben or I that said a naughty word first that's bullshit <laughs> 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 alright thanks again Mike yeah, um guess. And you guys know what to do. And then until the next time, be good to yourselves and to each other. Boom.